Hello and welcome to Macintosh and Mod Haven't Seen What? The podcast where Macintosh and Mod force each other to watch movies they should have already seen. I'm David, aka Macintosh. And I'm Diana, aka Mod. What are we watching this week? Everybody, this is David. This is Diana, and this week we did the French Connection, 1971. A pair of NYC cops in the Narcotics Bureau stumble onto a drug smuggling job with a French Connection. One point eight million dollar budget, and IMDb does not have the gross. Let's just say it made a shit ton of money. That's a fair amount of money. What are your initial thoughts about this movie? This movie blows. <laughs> Like, it's very close to being in RoboCop territory. Okay, it's not that bad. It's not that bad, but it's close. How is it that close? It's done so poorly. Come on now. The story ain't that great. Mm. It's really not. The story is better than some of the other things about it. Those are my initial thoughts. What are your initial thoughts? I mean, you already saw this, but... It's not as good as I remember it being. No, okay, that's good. That makes me feel better. This movie suffers from, man, this must have been really good at the time. Yeah, it definitely, yeah, it, it, it was uh, a little snapshot. Because I think it was kind of groundbreaking in its moment. I, I, could, I could see that. I could. It gets some merit. Like, I'm thinking about my star rating, and I'm like, there's really only two things that's keeping it from not having zero stars. Well, let's see if we can build it up from there. Okay. We're going to start with the writing. Okay. And before we get to the writing, we have to start with the story. Mm-hmm. So the French Connection is actually a much bigger deal than even the story is about. Okay. It goes back to even the 1930s. Mm-hmm. And basically, France became an easy place for heroin to get smuggled out of the Middle East through Turkey into France. So French mobsters from all over began dealing in the heroin trade. And then from there, the heroin got to the U.S. It got to... Italian crime families. If you remember from The Godfather when they're talking about we don't deal in smack, Mm -hmm. that was related to the French Connection. Okay. So this was a giant freaking deal. And one of the big cases that happened involved some New York City cops named Eddie Egan and Sonny Grosso. Okay. The original Popeye and Cloudy. Man, they could have come up with better movie names for them. Yeah, those names, they just sound like cartoons, and, and, and yeah, Popeye, but they could have just used, like, their actual names. Well, fun story, Eddie and Sonny are both in the movie. Yeah, that makes sense. And did you notice who they were? No, um... Okay, so Eddie Egan is, I can't remember his name, Simonson, I think. He's the police chief that's around there, kind of square head. Uh, okay. The curly-headed guy? Maybe. That's Eddie Egan. And Sonny Grosso was the FBI agent who was kind of Italian. The one who follows them to Washington, D.C. Oh, okay. That's Sonny Grosso. Okay. So they were on set with the film, dealt with all the story. They're the guys who the original book is based off of, all of that stuff. Okay. And the end of the story is that in the 70s, the French police took this whole thing down. It became became worse and worse and worse in France until finally they caught everybody in this big dragnet. Okay. But the guy who Fernando Ray's character is based on, the sort of French guy that they say got away and never oh, yeah, was the, indicted. The, the big dude. 
the rumor that Sonny Grosso said was that he had been a leader in the French resistance. Okay. And that because of that, they were hesitant to prosecute him. To their knowledge, he was never really prosecuted. So, like, he's a horrible dude, but he did some good shit, so they didn't want to prosecute him? You know, politics... That's so French. <laughs> it's so very, very so French. French. That wouldn't play here. Yeah, well, and, you know, it's also the New York City police cop talking about a guy in France and politics that he has no idea about. This is all Wikipedia information, so take it for what you will. Okay. The book was written by Robin Moore, who okay. has written a crap ton of different novels, but the two movies that, the two other movies that came out of his books mm-hmm. are The Green Berets with no. John Wayne. Nope, never saw it. And The Happy Hooker <laughs> with Lynn Redgrave. That's awesome. It was a big deal because it was, at the time, the story of a woman who was in the sex trade because she wanted to be. Get yours, girl. I know, right? <laughs> so, those two movies came out from his books. Okay. The script is written by Ernest Tidyman, but this was a long, crazy saga. Okay. So, they started off with the scre- first draft of the screenplay by a guy named Alexander Jacobs, who did a movie called Point Blank. Who knows? William Friedkin and the producer Philip D'Antoni hated it. Okay. They got... The next draft by Robert E. Thompson, who did a movie that I am so desperately have wanted to see. They shoot horses, don't they? From 1969. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know. I'm familiar with the film. I haven't seen it, but I, I, yeah, I know what you got. Again, okay. this did not meet with the approval of the film's producer and director. So draft two didn't work. Okay. Then they came across a novel by a guy named Ernest Tidyman mm-hmm. called Shaft. <gasps> this is the man who wrote the novel, the characters... And I believe the screenplay, don't hold me to that, for Shaft. And when they ran across that script, they said, this is our guy. He's going to get this grittiness and get in touch with the city. Oh, because this blows. <laughs> I've never seen Shaft, the original. That Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Like, I understand. I've seen a good chunk of the original Shaft. Okay. Not all of it. That makes sense. There's a style there that I, I, yeah, okay. That makes sense. But that's sad, because Shaft is cool. This is not. Well, Tidyman was hired, but he was so brand new on the scene that D'Antoni and Friedkin had major control over everything. What are your opinions about the writing? Bad. 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 Why do you think the writing is bad? It's very muddy. There's, they're really bad at explaining what's going on. I don't think that's the fault of the writer. Okay, I'm just not seeing where, like, they cut something down where they explained it. Like, I don't think it was ever in the script for them to explain what's happening. I think you were just supposed to know from context. Oh, the French heroin guys. Oh, yeah, that thing that went down. Like, I think that's how they made this movie. I think that's how they made this movie, but I don't think that's how Ernest wrote this story. This story is a really good story. Oh, the idea is good. Not just the idea, but the actual story. The through line through where the story goes to how it ends, all of that stuff, it's really good. No, I I get that. But what's on that page is not. But that's the thing. I think what's on the page is not what's being shown on the film. Well, I agree. They have so many... They Okay. You've got a director and a producer who are way too involved in the writing, considering neither one of them is actually writing it. 
and they've got several different versions of the script. So you know when they were just annoyed, they went off script. Yeah. Or at least that's my feeling. So they didn't have a consistent, I don't know, their shooting script looks like a hot mess. Well, you don't know without seeing it. True. Any of you. What I'm thinking is that this script had more to flesh out, had more to do. And because of a trio of budget constraints, which were a constant issue on this movie. Well, $1.8 million for this film is nothing. Exactly. I mean, because it, it is. It's nothing. You, you had a director who had done nothing of this level yeah, up no, to no, this that, point. That all makes sense. And you had actors who were working directly with police officers who routinely changed lines in the script mm-hmm. because it didn't sound like cop banter. No, I get the cop banter. That was fine. I mean, the the yelly stuff was a little like, come on, speed it up. This is taking too long. No, like but the whole like there there was a little too much exposition in that, but like it was fine. I don't, I don't have a problem with the language. It made sense. Yeah, the pick your feet and Poughkeepsie thing was one big thing they picked up on. That was a a line similar used by Eddie Egan. Okay. So when they're when they're tracking the cops down, you'll see them. They're going back and forth trying to interrogate the guy. And then Popeye all suddenly just says, do you pick your feet in Poughkeepsie? You ever oh. pick your feet? Yeah, it's a good cop, bad cop type thing. And Well, and it's a confused cop thing. He's trying to get the guy flustered so automatically he gives away stuff when somebody asks him a normal question. question. No, that makes sense. And I'm fine with that. Um, That's actually where the whole thing works. Okay. Yeah. But it just uh, like this in the scene with the in the bar, like drop your shit and get over there. Like, it was just, it went on way too long. I will agree with that. Some of that 70s filmmaking and new Hollywood stuff, which you just kind of have to deal with. Like, the only part of that scene that I liked is that I liked that he picked up everybody's drugs and messed it up so it was all useless, but he didn't bust anybody for having drugs. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's such a cop thing to do. It's one of these things where Freakin was part of the directors with, like, Bogdanovich and Coppola, where they're still kind of experimenting. They're figuring it out. And it's Scorsese and Spielberg who go, hey, we can refine that a whole lot better. And did. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And that's why those guys are legends, and these guys kind of disappeared in the annals of history. (laughs) Let's move on to the director, William Friedkin. Mm -hmm. William Friedkin was known for nothing up until this point. Okay. He was basically an art art house director. He had done an adaptation of The Birthday Party by Harold Pinter. He had done The Boys Boys in the Band, which was a big deal. And he was dating Howard Hawks' daughter. Who's Howard Hawks? A very famous kind of pulpy movie director okay. um, has made what people consider classic films now, but at the time were kind of considered pulpy, detective-y weirdness. Okay. Um, Hawk said, you know, I don't like your movies. Why don't you just do a chase? Like, do the best chase anyone's ever seen. And freaking ran with it. Well, I think at the time he definitely accomplished that goal. Freakin' would go on to direct The Exorcist two years later. Ooh, that was also Oscar-nominated. And To Live and Die in L.A., an 80s movie widely considered to be a peak 80s action movie. Mm -hmm. He's been so hit or miss since then. I mean, I don't know anything else that the guy's really done. The Exorcist is really... The Exorcist is good. It's better claim to fame. It's amazing. We may have to revisit that around Halloween. Okay, I mean, the directing, it's for me... I think the biggest problem is that script. Ooh, okay. Here's... Because I I don't think, I don't think any of the shots are bad. 
I don't, you know, like their angles and whatnot. I, like none of that's a problem for me. For me, it's the story and the pacing. And that really comes down to the writing and some editing. Oh, but this is the director. I cracked this movie. It's all William Friedkin. Okay. Here's the issue. Friedkin was obsessed while making this movie with a movie called Z from 1969. Okay. The biggest thing about Z, which is an infinitely superior film to this. I don't know anything about this. It's done by a French director named Costa Gavras. Okay. And his whole thing is he has made movies that look like documentaries. He does true docudrama-style filmmaking. Okay. So when he makes... That makes sense. So he uses, like, big-name French actors. Mm Mm-hmm. But... The style, the shots, everything make it seem as though you're watching real life unfold. Well, that's cool. And I could see that being an influence on this film. I I do. That makes a lot of sense, especially in that sniper scene. And so he wants to make it look like that. Mm -hmm. Here's the problem. He was so fucking sloppy with every inch of this movie that it never has cohesion to look like a documentary. I I don't think sloppy is the right word. Oh, all this. No inexperienced there is a difference maybe but all the sound issues all the not sinking the dr- in the in the bar scene he pours out all these drugs he comes out of the bathroom and they're all gone okay that's continuity that you can find continuity errors in almost every film known to man but it happens through every square foot of this okay. movie okay and if you're going to try to do that documentary style mm-hmm. The only way to make it really pack a punch is to be so minutely aware of the details that you get it done. Okay, but that is an inexperienced issue. Also a budget issue. Do you really think they had the money for a script supervisor? Do you think they had the money for someone to say, you had it in your left hand? Okay, and that's fair. Like, this to me is, that's the problem. I mean, he definitely was ambitious. I get what he was going for. That That gives some context to his style. Yes. But the problem goes back to the writing for Which me. I also think is him. I think he interfered with that yes. script. I yes. think I think you have a script that is probably decent. It's right. Eh, okay. That probably has that exposition you're looking for. And you've got a guy who is inexperienced who lets his actors run roughshod over the script and who was constantly overseeing it for every mm-hmm. scene. No, no, I he's he's the key that no, I, I get it. He's the he's the problem with everything. I, I do. think so. But it all, I mean, again, it all goes back to that script. It goes back to that script. I feel like from hearing this guy described, he watched The Wages of Fear and was obsessed with Citizen Kane. He is the 70s version of Quentin Tarantino. Hmm. He was obsessed with new wave cinema and artsy stuff and just tried to punch that into this movie as much as possible. Hmm. Now, let's talk about the one thing that he does get right. Which is the car chase. The car chase is good. It's a little long. It's about a beat too long. Yeah. And they do, you know, go around the same block four different times. That I didn't even notice that. No, it didn't you bother don't. me. And the, that's fine. The tension is so high. You know, the cinematography is so perfect there where they've cranked the camera mm-hmm. up so it looks like everything's moving faster than it is. However, he was incredibly reckless in filming that shit. That doesn't surprise me, especially with that budget. They... They did have police blocking off streets because this is a New York City police story. Mm-hmm. So they had the cooperation of the police in working on this stuff. But, like, 
I believe the car se- the the accident where he kind of almost gets T-boned by somebody. Yeah. Somebody was literally driving into the set not understanding it was a movie sequence. Mm. And that's a real accident. They kept it in the film. Okay. Then all the other ones were stunt drivers who were supposed to move in and get out of the way. Okay. But, I mean, the timing on that is so split second that you're going to get mistakes. Yeah. They kept all those sequences. They They had no time to cut anything. No, that's fine. The tension of that scene is so good. It is good. You are so gripped that you don't care about anything you're missing. Gene Hackman did a great job. He did. He did. I, I mean, he. I believed he was driving that car. Well, that's because... He was. And that leads us right into... Like, the whole time? Not the whole time. Okay. We'll talk about it. Like, I, I, of course he had to drive some of it. No, for the for the very dangerous sequences, they had, had a stunt driver. driver. But for a good chunk of it, he, he was behind drive. the wheel driving. Okay, did they have did they have that setup where someone was driving behind him? May in not, which that sequence? May not, the chase sequence. Well, but in which parts? I because don't there know. were there were all sorts of different parts. Okay, but did they have that setup where somebody was actually driving the car sitting behind him? I have no idea. I, that probably didn't exist. I don't think so. I don't think they had that rig. Oh, random? Somebody just released a picture, a behind the scenes picture, a baby driver uh-huh. with the way the car was rigged for when they filmed those chase scenes. Uh-huh. The guy who's driving the car is sitting on top of it. Ha! <laughs> With the actors inside and the cameras all around it and the guy driving it is on top. That makes a lot of sense. It's like a giant weird go-kart. Oh, yeah. It's so cool. No, okay, this sorry. was... Sorry, car chase. This was... <laughs> makes sense. This was way more guerrilla filmmaking. I mean, yeah, of course. One, strapped the camera on the front bumper yeah. of the car. Two, they had to have a cameraman inside, inside the, the car, car. And the only person who could do it without having risk for their family was William Friedkin, who was single and childless. So he got to get in the car with Gene Hackman. And if anything went wrong, he was the one who was going to get hurt. Him or Gene Hackman? Both. I mean, you know, they had insurance on that guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I also, the, okay. other, the other amazing thing about it is that he's chasing a train. Yes. He's not chasing a car. He's, he's chasing, chasing a train. train. And he's driving under the train. And it's just, uh, it's so good. It, no, it it is a good sequence. Um, and it even, just... even by today's standard, it's a good sequence. It's about a beat too long. Yeah. You know, it would tighten it up just a little bit, and I would I would make the scene with the guy in the train a little bit more dynamic. Yeah, or the the stakes aren't very high there. No, but it was um, that whole it was a whole no 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 no, no. I get I get all that for. no no I get what they're doing. I don't have a problem with it. I'm just saying if we were going to redo it today, we tighten it up. Yeah, we tighten it up a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. Um, but no, it's still a great chase scene, even by today's standards. Yeah. I mean, my favorite chase scene ever was in a Bond film, and there are no cars. Now, we'll say, I might give Bullet the edge. Steve McQueen driving a Mustang over over the biggest hills in San Francisco, mm-hmm. doing like 70 miles an hour over those giant steep hills. Mm. It's kind of slightly better, but it's it's so neck and neck between those two on what the best sequence is ever. No, I just really love the car chase sequence, the beginning of Quantum. I'm pretty sure it's Quantum of Solace. It's it's two guys doing parkour. It's a chase. It's a car chase. There are no cars. Meh. At, when I saw it, I was like, "Fuck, this is awesome." So let's go to the acting. Okay. And with that, we get to play the wonderful game of who would have been. Would anybody have been better? Oh, we have a lot of could have been. Gene Hackman was not Friedkin's first choice. In fact, Friedkin did not want Hackman in the role. He first went to Paul Newman, who yeah. was completely out of their budget. Range. Oh, oh, he would have cost more than their whole budget. 
His next three choices were Jackie Gleason, Peter Boyle, Ooh, Peter, yeah, and Peter Jimmy Boyle. Breslin, a Who's... New York Times reporter who had never acted. Okay, that could have been interesting from a newcomer standpoint. Yeah. And and with this style, somebody who's never acted, that probably would have done really well. But there were some problems. Sure. Gleason was considered box office poison. He had a film that had just tanked. Okay. Peter Boyle did a movie in 1970 called Joe, in which he played a bigot who, oh. went, who went and murdered hippies. Oh. He saw it rightfully as a horror movie, but okay. there were a bunch of people who loved his character and rooted him on. Oh. He hated the response so much he refused to do a movie like that again. Okay. And Popeye's character was too close to that. It was it was too much of a a, a vigilante, uh, an anti-hero. On, exactly. Too much. He he ended up, he needed to play someone who was all good. And, well, he just he was <laughs> all never, good guy. He was never going to go that violent again. He needed to of, redeem himself because no, of the risk it. of it. No, I I get that. Hey, he did fine. He did Young Frankenstein. He was on everybody loves. He is fine. <laughs> And Jimmy Breslin hated driving and had never been behind the wheel of a car. Yeah. And to do this have, movie... You have to be able to drive. You had to be able to drive. That's why they tell you actors, you put that on your resume that you have a driver's license. Steve McQueen was considered, but A, they couldn't get him in the budget, sure. and B, he didn't want to do another no, car chase of course not. after no. Bullet. No. He had done plenty of car chases up until then. I think he did Grand Prix anyway, but... Yeah, Whatever. once you get two, and they can't be close together, otherwise you turn into um, Jason Statham. Well, he's done all sorts of car chases, but I don't think he wanted to do another pure cop car chase movie. Yeah. And that's what this was going to be. Yeah, because then you're Jason Statham. And then Charles Bronson was considered at one point. Charles Bronson. Oh my gosh, I don't know how you don't know who Charles no, Bronson is. No, the name sounds familiar. I can't place him. Okay, neither can you, clearly. No, I can place him, but not in anything you would recognize him in. Okay. No, my name sounds familiar. Anyway, Rod Taylor. I don't even know who that is. He went through a crap ton of people before he finally just said, okay, Gene Hackman. Fine, Gene Hackman, I'll let you do it. Okay, well, Gene Hackman has barely aged. No. Uh, It was so weird. I was like, he's always looked 40. Yeah. Just always. You've always sounded 40. Hi. (laughs) Um, I, okay, I mean... He's just one of those people who's always looked way more mature than he is. What'd you think That's about okay. the What'd you think about the turn as Popeye? He's good. I dig him. I I I mean, I, he's a deplorable human being. Don't get me yeah, wrong. Yeah, Popeye's a bad dude. He's a bad cop. But I liked him. I mean, Gene Hackman. He was he was funny when he needed to be funny. He was he was interesting. I I believed him as this guy. I don't think he's you know moving mountains or anything, but he's he did good. I believe I believe the realism of it. I believe the dark t- turn he takes once they start trying to kill him and they kill the the mom with the baby, and that's what drives him to through the rest of that movie mm-hmm. where he's going after these dudes. He doesn't care what happens from there. Yeah, just you know the hor- the the insane look of determination after he kills the other cop. He didn't care. No. Oh no, he was. He's got to get after his guy. He's just like that guy's a douche. I don't care. No, I get it. No. It's not even so much that, it's, I saw the guy, I know I saw him, I gotta get it. No, no, I get that. I think there's something really grounded and almost subtle about his performance, that it could have been so much more over the top. Oh, it could have. No, I completely agree. But no, I believe him as this guy. No, he did a great job. I mean, again, I don't, I don't think it's groundbreaking, I don't. No, but I think I think he's very solid. Yes. What'd you think about Roy Scheider, who, oh my gosh, how do you not remember who this guy is all the time? Okay. Number one, 70s. Yes. Okay, he's 
he played heavily in the 70s. We, I have a gap in the 70s. I have seen Jaws, but it has been at least 20 years since I've seen Jaws. But the one I always come back to is Sequest. Sequest. Oh my god, Sequest was easily 20 years ago too. And it was awesome. It and was. It had Jonathan Brandis. It. I was in love with him. So just, just he remember. He was so pretty. He talked to dolphins. So just remember the captain from Sequest and you're good. Okay, well. Whatever. As soon as I saw him, I was like, oh, yeah, it's that dude. Yeah, of course. It's fine. Okay? Just just chill. It's it just... Chill. That's a weird I one. don't have face blindness like you. <laughs> it's okay. He did good. He was a good um, compliment to Gene Hackman's he character. He is a good foil. I just... It's really interesting that every movie he shows up in, he always just does his role well. Mm-hmm. Even even in some bad movies, I mean that's like, how you get paid. It's really good. Show up, do your job, go home. I like it. It's yeah, no, it's, it's a nice thing to see. Did any of the European actors impress you? No. Okay. Not even a little bit. Which is funny. So one of the but I think that's because they were written horribly. I know. They, and again, this is my problem. It always comes back to that fucking script. I know the director completely jacked it up, but I'm fine when you use another language. But you got to write it well. You yeah. have to write the other language just as well and sometimes better than whatever the main, you know, whatever your native tongue is going to be. Oh, yeah. Um, Because you're already forcing people to read subtitles, which if you did not show up to read subtitles, you're already like, ah, damn it. And a good chunk of this movie takes place in French. A lot of the dialogue does. Yep. And that's, you know, for me, I don't care about subtitles. I do speak a little bit of French, so some of it pops up, but, like, I'm listening, not even hearing, like, what you would normally hear in another film of banter. Like, I'm not even hearing the curse words. They didn't even curse in French. <laughs> what the fuck? They're mobsters. I should be hearing merit every two seconds. I know. It's really funny because the main assassin guy in this movie mm-hmm. was in Z. Oh, okay. The that, movie that, he was that obsessed makes sense. with. He's one of the Italian actors. And what's interesting is his performance, while the writing is so bad, you almost get, you get the sense of like, oh, he understands how to be in this movie. Mm-hmm. He's not, he, it's like, he kind of mumbles his way through it mm-hmm. and he's kind of, but it's like, but that's what a real person would do. He actually looks like he's in a real documentary. No, I, I get all that. And so it was kind of interesting to be like, I know I knew him from that movie. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting that, that he actually cast some of those people in it. I mean, I. That's great, and I'm, you know, I love it when you have a native speaker in the role. Yeah. But he didn't write any of them very well. No. He actually wrote them as being very stupid. Which I'm sure the novel did, too, because, hey, we're America, and America, we don't care about other countries. The French fries. Mm-mm. Yeah, and I, I just, uh, no, that was a real, that was the real weak part of the movie, but I don't think it's any of those actors' fault. No. So, you know, it's all right. Okay. I was prepared to be a little more generous with this movie. And then I saw the Oscars. Oh, okay. I have not looked up any of the Oscar information. All Ooh. I know, of course, is that it has won this picture. Okay, so what what did it win? We're going to start. And then, we'll discuss, then we can discuss who should have won. <laughs> okay. It won five Oscars, nominated for eight. What the fuck? What a piece of shit. <laughs> Give me a minute. Oh, my God. It won for best actor, Gene Hackman. I can see the nominate. Okay, well, get to, okay, we'll talk about the specifics later. Okay, I have on. so many. Opinions. Okay, okay. Oh my goodness, we've switched places. It won for best directing, William Friedkin. Oh God. It won for editing, 
It won Best Adapted Screenplay, Ernest Tidyman. And it won Best Picture. It was nominated for Supporting Actor for Roy Scheider. Okay. It was nominated for Cinematography. And it was nominated for Sound. Okay, the cinematography I get because they were doing something new. And they nominations they liked it to... It was I, nominated for Sound. I, 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 my face is melting from winning for directing and writing. Oh, melt your face more for the sound nomination. What in the actual fuck? I don't... Uh, let's start, okay. let's start okay. with actor. Okay. Let's go. Let's backtrack here for a minute. This hurts my soul. Okay, so. Okay. okay. Gene Hackman that year. Okay. Was up against Topol for Fiddler on the Roof. Oh. Walter Matthau for Koch. Peter Finch was his other big prominent role. And as I've heard, as that's one is on my list to eventually okay. see. And George C. Scott for The Hospital. Know nothing about it, but I do love mm. George C. Scott as an actor. Out of that crew... Those I, are some heavy hitters. Heavy hitters, but out of that crew, not knowing too much, I'm going to go with Gene Hackman. I could see them saying, you know what, this is new, this is different. It's fresh. He, it's fresh. You know, I could see that, you know, he's the young dude and he's doing something different. He's in a different type of movie and we really were compelled by it. I can see that. That's you, fine. You have to sort of put yourself in the mindset of critics at the time of this was my this was kind of a mind blowing movie. Nobody dared to do something like this. Oh no, I get that. It looks um, amateurish to us now, but I think at the time it was so unique. That's the like that's the only attitude in which Daniel Kaluuya wins this year. Right. That's the only way he walks away with the statue is if that's the attitude they go into it, because all those other nominees for this particular year, I assume. I, Based on that list, it's just like, these are all very standard performances by established actors, and Gene Hackman was the different. That's what that sounds like to me. For the acting performance? Sure, I'll go with that. No, for the acting, no, that's what I mean, for the acting yeah. performances, yes. Okay, so Gene Hackman, all right, you know. I, out of that, okay. out of that career, I was like, I'm not, you know what? I, I ain't mad. I'm, I'm actually cool with that award. Okay, that's fair. And this was kind of a groundbreaking thing for the Academy. Okay. Let's talk about best directing. Okay. He was up against Norman Jewison for Fiddler on the Roof, John Schlesinger for Sunday Bloody Sunday, okay. a big British director mm-hmm. in his own right, big deal. Midnight Cowboy okay. won Best Picture. Peter Bogdanovich, The Last Picture Show. Oh. Have a soft spot in my heart for that movie. It's a very good, okay. very good coming of age. And Stanley fucking Kubrick for A Clockwork Orange. Okay, they were never going to give it to him for that movie. I know, but holy fuck. No, 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 I agree. How did Fiddler on the Roof not win? How does Peter Bogdanovich not win if they don't want to give it to Kubrick because of because they're too weirded out by A Clockwork Orange, which is a travesty that that didn't win the Oscars, but okay. He's the fourth best director on that list. Maybe. By a long shot. And and By and, a lot. And that's not even counting John Schlesinger possibly being on top of it too yeah no 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 no. i could make i could easily make a case for three of those guys winning yeah that's a bullshit award yeah no i i 100 agree it won editing against a clockwork orange Koch, summer of 42 and the andromeda strain now this is actually a hard choice for me clockwork orange is a great film visually but it's not because of its editing. Correct. It's because of its cinematography. Correct. So, 
in this case, because it was going to be between those two, mm -hmm. I'd give it to The French Connection. This is an expertly edited movie, for sure. The editing is something that adds to the experience from probably what was kind of a lump but, of crap okay. when they got it. Okay, I'm going to agree with you based solely on the chase sequence. I know. That portion, which makes 90% of this movie. Uh-huh. You don't have that, you don't have a movie. Oh no. So, okay. Yeah. I'm going to I'm not going to be mad about that. That that's a legit I'll, I'll give you that. You that okay, you can have that one. Win for best adapted screenplay. Oh my god, someone should be shot in the face. Also nominated was Bernardo Bertolucci for The Conformist, a movie I very much wanted to see. Hmm. Interesting political thriller. Okay. Ugo Porto and Vittorio Bonicelli for The Garden of the Finzi Contini's. Okay. This was the best picture winner for foreign film. Okay. I don't know. Larry McMurtry and Peter Bogdanovich for The Last Picture Show. Okay. And Stanley fucking Kubrick, Kubrick for, a, for clock a Clockwork Orange. It should have been Clockwork Orange. Dude. That book is fucked up. And I'm telling you, his adaptation, yeah. which... That movie will fuck you up, which too. legendarily hacked up... The book is really almost better than the book. And that's a great book. No, I know. I'm aware. Dude. Yeah, he should have won for that. And if you weren't going to give it to him, Larry McMurtry and yeah. Bogdanovich wrote a beautiful Don't make him script. lose to this pile of crap. <laughs> right? Oh, my God. Holy fuck, Oscars. I, I, I just wrote fuck this shit. <laughs> Finally, it won Best Picture. It was up against... Nicholas and Alexandra. Barf. Fiddler on the fucking <laughs> <I> know, roof. <sighs> the last fucking picture show. And a clockwork fucking orange. Okay, well, we we know it's probably a clockwork orange. Like, if we're going to look at, of those five, which one's the best picture? It's clockwork orange. A clockwork orange is number one. Last picture show, show for me is number two, but that's because I haven't actually seen Fiddler on the Roof. Okay, Fiddler on the Roof. Is not the best movie adaptation, but that has that is one of the best stories of a musical and has some of the most amazing music ever done. Well, and from what I've seen, like the adaptation film wise was so interesting. No, it, it was it's good because it's very set piece. Oh, it's very minimalist. Um, how like and musicals are 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 Oscar bait. It's the fourth best movie on that list. Now let me let me be clear. I. Do I am okay with it earning a nomination because of how different it was. Correct. What in the fuck is it doing winning? It didn't... Okay. I'm sorry. Braveheart is better than this movie. Braveheart is... Be ba Braveheart deserved its best picture more than this film does. No. Yes. I will not agree with that because I don't yes. think Braveheart should have been fucking nominated. That's a I think different could, argument. I think you could dig through 1995 and find like eight more movies that you could okay. add to that list instead. Okay. Well, back then the rules were only five. So This movie legitimately tried to do something different and unique. Braveheart was a fucking piece of dirt. No. I don't remember what I rated Braveheart, but this Braveheart was better than this. The nominees... Just to just to mm -hmm. get a quick in, Roy Scheider lost to Ben Johnson from The Last Picture Show. Okay. Also nominated was Jeff Bridges. Both oh. were in their teens. This oh, was yeah. Jeff Bridges' first movie. Oh, wow. Um, so this was a big deal. Roy was great, but those two are just awesome. Okay. Uh, cinematography, it was nominated. Fiddler won. Okay. Um, Last Picture Show also is a beautiful movie. Black and white, great cinematography. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and then sound. Sound. <laughs> Uh, Fiddler on the Roof won. Thank 
the good lord but above. how in the, the all of the sound shit all of the bad dropped audio the adr they threw on top of voices that did they not have enough sync. movies come out this year is that what happened i don't was there a writer strike this year no go look at the female performances there were tons of really interesting movies coming out with the move the ladies jane fonda won for clute where she played a prostitute for clue clute Clute. I was like, Clue didn't get an Oscar. Jane Fonda wasn't in Clue. You haven't seen Clue. Yes, I have. I've seen it like five times. Nice try. Okay. Somebody I was talking to recently said they had never seen Clue. Okay. We got through it. It was a lot, but there's so much to talk about with this stupid movie. Stupid fucking movie. It's my movie. Mm Mm-hmm. You have to rate it. Two and a half stars. Wow. Look, I was ready to give it about three, mm-hmm. but then I read those fucking Oscars. You got mad. And I got real mad. Okay. Okay, look, I understand that it's not the greatest movie in the world, but I do give it that credit for being interesting. And when it hits and works, mm-hmm. it works really well. I mean, the car chase, and there's other scenes too that just really pack a punch. Okay. When they're chasing the guy down the street trying to catch the drug dealers. It's good, it's highs are high, but it's lows are real low. And it just hits right in the middle for me. Two mm-hmm. and a half stars. 1.5. <laughs> I thought you might get to two. I was at a two. And then you heard those Oscar nominations. It didn't help, but there's more. It's like the only things I like about this movie are the, char- the car chase and Gene Hackman. Oh. And you know what? I, I, okay, so... Robocop, I got one star only because I really liked the idea. Yeah. I don't even really like the idea of this film. I like that car chase and I like Gene Hackman. Yeah. So it's not worth two. It's 1.5. Ooh. So even Reservoir Dogs, I gave that a two. And one whole point was just for Steve Buscemi. <laughs> Sorry, Gene Hackman. You're not that good. You're not Steve Buscemi good. Uh, you are in other things. Oh, man. So it's a 1.5 for me. That's a shame. It just, it, it is. It's just a hot mess of a movie. It is. It's a hot mess. And by the way, you should watch it because, like, I think some people legitimately be like, it's a five-star movie. What are you talking about? I'd be like, cool. You do you. I don't think it's that great. You know, we hope you're just here to hear our opinions. You can go watch it and form your own. Maybe you've already watched it. And now you're decided, wow, you guys brought up some things I hadn't thought about. Or y'all are fucking crazy. Well, we might be. And that's accurate. But who cares? What are we watching next time? Okay. For our last Oscar Best Picture winner. A film that I do not know how you've gotten away with not seeing. It is James Cameron. <laughs> Titanic. Yeah, I've never seen it. I, okay. Okay, I was pissed off at the idea at the time. Okay, well, I was... I was the perfect age to be in love with this film. You know what? We got to save it. We got to save we it. Do, until we, we do. We do have it. to save it because I have a lot. There's a lot into uh, my love of Titanic. This could be and a mega sized episode. It, well, it's a mega sized movie for a <laughs> mega sized boat. So, and I just need to preface it with saying I did own the t shirt that said the boat sank. Get over it. I wanted to so bad. I had that shirt. I walked around with it all the time. I'm so sad I didn't have it. And you should know also with me having that shirt, I saw it six times in the theater. Thanks. See you next time, guys. Right, guys. This week, we saw the much-anticipated Black Panther.
T'Challa, after the death of his father, the King of Wakanda, returns home to the isolated, technologically advanced African nation to succeed to the throne and take his rightful place as king. This is really good. It was really good. Okay, and I fully get, like, we're the whitest people in the world. <laughs> this movie was not made for us. That is absolutely fine and was the right direction to go. Can I also say, though, it's not that it was made specifically, I think, for anybody. It was just they were trying to tell the best version of the story they could. They're honoring the origin of this character. And, and specifically they... the newest origins of this character. True. The newest iteration of it. This is like the first black superhero, like superhero a la DC Marvel, that we've ever had on screen. I mean, Luke Cage already came out and that was much heralded. We've got Black Lightning on the CW. But in terms of a major franchise yes. being built on a central character that we've seen in this new Marvel DC universe, mm-hmm. definitely. He's the first the the first in this mm-hmm. group and, of black superheroes. And they didn't hide from any of that. They went full on. They went abs they went for it. Yeah. And it is amazing. Like, I mean, we only saw it a few hours ago. I don't know what I would change. Actually, that's not true. I know one thing I would change, and it's part of the scoring. In some scenes, it feels cheesy. But it is so good. The casting, I feel, is perfect. The story, I think, is really good. That costuming, that better fucking be an Academy nomination. Oh, it will be. It is is gorgeous. I am genius at that. I had some reservations about the film, but mm-hmm. I couldn't put my finger on what the, what it was. Okay. I think what it really comes down to is I was preparing myself. There was a tension in me of preparing myself for them to go down the bad tropey superhero lines. Yes. And, you know, this character is anti-colonial, mm-hmm. anti-imperialist. Um this character embodies a whole set of attitudes that come out of Africa and African history. Mm -hmm. I was bracing myself for that to get walked over or trampled on. Mm -hmm. Even though, I mean, had I done the research, I would have known Ryan Coogler, who directed Creed. Yep. um, And Fruitvale Station, which was hugely heralded. Both with Michael B. Jordan. Um, I I should have known that this was going to be competently done and balanced in how I tried to approach those things. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think that was my problem, was I was sitting there waiting for it to go in that wrong direction. Probably. So when we have the scene with, you know, a white character suddenly getting a heroic moment, I'm sitting there going, oh god, you're going to make him a white savior. You're going to make him a white savior. And I don't think they did. And they didn't. They didn't. They. I, I, here's the thing. There are really only two white people in this whole movie. And that's great. Yeah. Uh, one, one is a villain. And one is a sidekick, basically. Yeah. And... The villain is the villain, and the sidekick gets to be both kind of a bumbling uh, foreigner, but not uh, insulting. He gets like to... he still embarrasses himself, but he he's not incompetent. He has to make a moral choice at some point as to what he's going to be in in this story, mm-hmm. and he does, and that's it. They don't they don't try to push it any further one way or no. the other on it. No, it's. I mean, Chadwick Boseman is amazing. Um, I love Michael B. Jordan. He is so hot in this movie. I have never 
He's always been dorky, dorky guy for me. Like, more attractive Urkel. This movie makes him so hot. Yeah. Like, in that scene where he is in the museum, and he's got his hair and the glasses, and he's just like, nah, I'm just feeling this. And I was just like, oh, you are so pretty. But let me give the shout out to my two favorites here, mm-hmm. which are the unheralded Letitia Wright as Shuri. Uh, she is T'Challa's sister. Who is fucking hilarious. She's hilarious. She's a, she's a badass. It's great. And then Winston Duke as Mumbaku, who is the leader of kind of a rival tribe. Oh yeah, he was very good. There's a whole lot of somewhat unknown people who mm-hmm. pop up in some smaller roles here mm-hmm. that are also just great. Uh, you'll also recognize Daniel Kaluuya. Kaluuya. Mm-hmm. From Get Out. From Get Out. And he is kind of T'Challa's good friend. Yeah. Mad props go to Denai Guerrera. Of course. Uh, who is the general head of the Royal Guard. And you'll recognize her as Michonne from The Walking Dead. Let me tell you, you like Michonne? Michonne got an upgrade in this movie. Not to mention a badass playwright who's gotten all sorts of She's awards. a badass woman in her own right, but in this movie, it's like, holy fuck, you're amazing. And Lupita Nyong'o? She's great. First of all, it is a it is a laundry list of great black actors. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, just keeps going down the list of other just good actors who are doing side roles in this movie as well. I'm excited to see all of these people do more things. Absolutely. All of them. Because they all did an amazing job. And Andy Serkis, I like seeing you not in a, in a motion capture suit. Holy shit. Um, this was different. I mean, like... He's a badass. He, I mean, he is, like he was a good villain. He really was. He really was. Um, and an interesting villain. It was, I I just showed it. I was like, I'm here for this. This trailer makes me excited. Just show, show, me, show me more about this character because I didn't know much. And I loved it. Like I said, I, I couldn't place my hand on was like... I don't know, there's this thing. I think what it comes down to is I was I was sitting there nervous about it going the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And now that I look back, I was like, no, it really never did. It, it went exactly down the path I was hoping it would. Well, and here's the other thing that I think you have to think about going into this movie. It is a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. But this is a origin story not so much of the character because we kind of already know what that is his father dies he becomes king right and he becomes black panther but this is an origin story for an entire world that we have never been introduced to within marvel and we're on like movie 18 so we haven't had that in a very long time yeah and we know where everyone else comes from we know what their story is this is the first new one we've gotten and this comic universe Mm -hmm. i mean it's Black Panther's been around since 1966. But this specific universe has only been around for the past year or two. But because of that, it's such a new world that very few people know about it. Mm -hmm. And so they're they're doing a really good job of taking that and giving it to a mass audience. Yes. I did see a few kids. Like, we, okay, it's Friday, the day it came out. We saw it at 9 o'clock in the morning. And I saw a couple of little kids who were there with their parents. Yeah. And I was like, that's awesome. This is great. Yeah. It's it's a really awesome movie. It's really cool. Yeah, it's really good. I I really enjoyed it. There are two post-credit scenes. So make sure you stay all the way to the end. All the way to the end. As per the huge with the Marvel movie. Yeah. And uh, I, I mean, I'm just... 
I'm excited to see more. I hope they're doing more movies in this little roundup. I know later in the year we've got Infinity Wars, we've got Ant-Man and the Wasp, and then I think Captain Marvel's November. I can't remember, but I'm excited for that too. All right. So. Until next time, guys. See you later. Bye. That's it for this episode. Please take a moment to review and rate us on iTunes. And for questions and comments, drop us an email at macintoshandmod at gmail.com. I know. I'm so good. Isn't that great? <laughs> I was like, oh wait, I should do that.